2: Hello and welcome to the EDH Recast. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined as always by my fantastic co-host. First up, he's the guy who goes to infinity and beyond. It's Matt
0: Morgan. Joey, in college I was so broke, I couldn't even pay my electricity bill. And, you know, looking back, those truly were the darkest days of my life. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what, Matt? I'm just glad
2: that things have brightened up for you in the
0: present. Certainly have brightened up, you might say that, yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, Up next, he's the guy who goes not to Infinity and beyond, but to Bed Bath and beyond. That's Dana Roach. Uh, I joked a few times on the show here about how it's going to be difficult
1: to make it this, you know, three to four weeks with no new spoilers. But last week we got one from the car rising already. So straight into my veins, I I managed to survive five whole days with no new cards. So it was tough, but I
2: got through it. Dana, there's never enough uh, product and and new stuff and magic enough for you, is there? It certainly seems that way, yes. (laughs) Awesome. And this is the EDH Recast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks. And here on the podcast, what we like to do is give all of that data a little more context. Fellas, what is our topic this week? Today, we're going to talk about the most popular combos in EDH. That is right. We've actually got a new feature to help folks out if they are looking for combos in the Commander format, and we can let you know what the most popular combos are among all of the different possibilities in Commander. But before we get to it, we have to give a huge thank you to the folks at the Command Zone, Josh LeQuiet and all the whole team at the Command Zone. They do such an awesome job with the post-production on our podcast, making it look as awesome as it does. So huge thank you to them. And of course, we would like to thank our sponsors for the show, too.
0: So we do have sponsors, as Joey just said, TCGplayer.com and CardKingdom.com. If you want to get some of these cards that we're gonna talk about today, maybe Go Infinite, uh, to infinity and beyond, or you just want to flat out win the game and deal all the damage, you can get all these cards and more at TCGPlayer and CardKingdom.com. Just click on the price links on EDHREC. That'll take you right to your website of source. And also, if you've you know gotten a little salty, maybe um, playing all these cards and need to buy list them back, both TCGPlayer and Card Kingdom have amazing buy list prices as well. So both of our great sponsors, TCGPlayer.com and CardKingdom.com.
2: Yeah, thank you guys so much for making the show possible. All right, now let's get to our main topic, the most popular combos in the Commander format. EDHREC has a new feature that will help you navigate all of those. You can find it at EDHREC.com slash combos, and it will show you all of these combos broken down by color combination, a whole bunch of stuff there to help you find the combos that exist in the Commander format.
1: Yeah, um, we have to give a huge thanks here to Commander Spellbook, a Commander combo database They collected over 3,000 combos for us to use in this new
2: feature. Uh, You'd find them at www.commanderspellbook.com. Yeah, thank you so much. They provided a huge encyclopedic version of it, basically. And then what we did is took all of those combos that they had come up with and actually looked through the data to see which ones actually show up in decks. So that's what this feature is here to help out, to show you how popular those different combos actually are. On the page, uh, the combos are sort of broken down and assembled by color combination. So for example, if a combo contains a blue card and an artifact card, that will show up under the mono blue combo section, even though that combo can most likely be played in like any deck that contains blue. But if you are looking for specific combos that way, that's how you can find them broken down by those different color combinations. Uh, Also, once you find a combo, this is the really cool part. This is what I really like. When you find a combo, you can click on that combo, that collection of cards there, and it will take you to another page. And on that page, it will have a description of how the combo works a small step-by-step guide that shows you that you do this action then take the next action and then this next action and boom your result is you've produced infinite mana or you've produced infinite damage in this way Uh, so there is also a description of each of these combos not just the card images which I think is really great but then it goes one step further too after you're looking at a combo page you can then click on a specific card within that combo and it will take you to that card's combo page to show you all of the combos that that card is a part of so it's very comprehensive thank you guys again Uh, at the Commander Spellbook. You did an awesome job with this. And so, yeah, just wanted to give a quick breakdown of how the website works and how you can use it that way. And especially with the paragraph of description to help you find out what those combos actually do.
0: Well, and there's all sorts of combos out there, too. You know, we're going to kind of try to touch on a little bit of them, but there's all sorts of different ones. There's combos that generate infinite mana, for example. Uh, There's generating infinite death triggers. I know, Joey, you're probably very, very keen on all those, but there's also combos that can just flat out win the game. And those are probably the ones that, you know, Dana, you're probably a little more interested in just to shuffle up and play again. Um, You know, there's Heartless hit Sugu and Wound Reflection, for example. Uh, The ones that just flat out just end the game We'll start again with a new game, Um, and a lot of the combos also have interchangeable parts. They can be used, you you can substitute one for another, and the combo is still going to do roughly the same thing. Um, Ashnod's altar and Phyrexian altar, for example. Hey, most of the time you can just swap them back and forth and you'll get the exact same result. Um, Also, you know, Aggravated Assault gives you all sorts of extra combat steps, and it can combo with a lot of different cards that generates any sort of mana from combat.
2: Oh, yeah, totally. So Aggravated Assault, you can pay mana to get an extra combat step, and that can pair with a commander like Neheb the Eternal, who gives you mana after combat, but you can also pair it with a card like Savage Ventmaw, which provides you mana within combat. Or you can pair it with a card like Bear Umbra, which untaps your lands as part of combat. So those can all be considered different combos, but it is sort of the same infinite mana situation where Aggravated Assault is the key piece, and like you mentioned, Matt, there are a lot of interchangeable parts. And that's a good breakdown, too, to note that some of these combos go infinite, they provide you with infinite mana, whereas some of the combos are also just, like, Boom, you straight up win this way. So what we want to do now is actually take a look at what the most popular combos are within Commander. What are the most common combos that you might encounter during a game? So we took a look at what the, uh, the top five combos are in Commander. Let's get started and take a look at those, the combos that show up in the greatest number of decks. Let's start off with number five.
0: So number five, we've identified in over 4,700 decks, and that is gonna be the combo of Basalt Monolith and Rings of Brighthearth. Now this one is an infinite mana combo where you tap Basalt Monolith to add three mana to your mana pool, and then you use Rings of Brighthearth's ability, so whenever there's an activated ability, you may pay two mana, and if you do, you copy that ability. So you tap Basalt Monolith for three mana, use two of that mana to copy the ability, then use three of that mana, to untap Basalt Monolith, and then you repeat the process all over again. It's a little tricky, and the timing is kind of weird, but it's actually a really easy way with just artifacts that just can go into any deck to generate infinite mana. Um, It's a pretty powerful combo, and we actually see it quite a bit showing up in Urza, Lord High Artificer, one of those very salty commanders um, that (laughs) typically will do a lot of crazy things with artifacts. Sounds
2: like... um... Well, uh, you know, I was about out of habit. I was about to say it sounds like a lot of fun, but let's be real. That actually sounds um, really deadly. I'm not sure I want to see that across the table. Well, w- one thing that's interesting, too, is um, with Double Masters that just came out, we got a Basalt Monolith
1: reprint, but we also got the first Foil Basalt Monolith, and, <laughs> and you can generate even, like, by it being Foil, it's an even better combo. It generates extra mana. People don't know that, but it, it absolutely works that way. <laughs>
0: That that sure. is I, I have heard that rumor, Dana, that actually, mm-hmm. yeah, foils do add a quarter mana more. It's it's an un un mana type of addition.
2: Wow. Um <laughs> That explains, that explains your all foiled out decks. Now I think I begin. I understand you a little bit more every episode, Dana. Right. Uh, up next, let's move to the number four combo, the next most popular. This is the combo of Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker and Zealous Conscripts. Kiki Jiki, of course, is the awesome goblin that can tap to create a copy of a non-legendary creature that you control, and that will have haste. And then the card Zealous Conscripts is a really fun card that when it enters the battlefield, you can gain control of a creature and untap it, and it Gains haste. So when you make a copy of the zealous conscripts, you can then untap the Kikijiki for Kikijiki to make another copy of it to then untap and then make another copy and then untap and make another copy and they all have haste. The Kikijiki and the Splinter Twins of the world are really famous combos in uh, formats like Modern, or at least they were before they got banned. Sorry, Modern players. I didn't mean to run salt in the wound there. Uh, but this is a well-known combo, and it shows up in over 5,400 decks out there. Definitely um, a really spicy one if you ever encounter that in the wild against any red decks.
1: Well, and one thing nice about this combo, and I guess this is true of most of the ones that are really popular we're going to talk about, both the cards involved in the combo are quite good on their own. You don't need to feel feel like you're running a dead card in your deck mm-hmm. just to hope you hit the combo. Kiki Jiki's a great card. Those con- conscripts is a great card. You can feel just fine playing them on their own and if you happen to have the combo then you, you know, win the game, but they're really really useful even apart, and that's true of most of the cards we're going to talk about for these really popular combos.
2: Yeah, that's a really, really good observation. The And especially here, um, one commander that might illustrate that, I think, really well, the most popular commander that runs this combo in the 99, um, you know, because Kikijiki is a legendary creature, you can absolutely run Zealous Conscripts in the 99 and have this as a specifically combo deck that uses your commander, but if you're looking just for within the 99, the commander that runs these cards in the 99 most commonly is Grenzo Dungeon Warden, who can get these creatures into play for free using his activated ability. Um, and those are just both really good creatures that a Grenzo deck would want to run because they have low power and really powerful effects that can steal creatures from other players and make good copies of good creatures. So yeah, absolutely. These are really powerful just in the context of a Grenzo deck and they also happen to go infinite.
0: Yeah, I was going to I was going to take a gander actually that this might be a little bit higher just because if you're putting a combo piece in the command zone uh, kind of like we talked about with engines and, and wind conditions, If you have one of those in the command zone, typically you don't need a lot of support around it. So I would have thought Kiki Jiki just being legendary we probably would have ended up with a little more decks with Zell's Conscripts around.
2: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, let's move now to our number three. What is the next most common combo that we see in Commander? That was a lot of alliteration there. <laughs> Dana,
1: what do we got? Uh, our next most popular combo here is Exquisite Blood and a Sanguine Bond in roughly 7,400 decks. Uh, they're both enchantments, both black, so it's easy to run them both. Exquisite Blood reads whenever an opponent loses life, you gain that much life. Again, that's a card that's just quite good all on its own. Sanguine Bond is kind of the inverse of that. Whenever you gain life, target opponent loses that much life. So if both of those are in play and an opponent loses life, you gain life, which causes an opponent to lose life. You you basically, once you have those in play, you need to get a trigger of either someone losing life or you gaining life. And it just goes in the and kills everybody. Uh, it's a very simple combo using two cards that are very popular and work well on
2: their own. Yeah, that one is... Um... I I don't know, when we were entering into this episode, I really expected this to be in the top five, so I'm glad to see that it is there, because just I know so many folks who love playing life gain, and these feel like you can't play a life gain deck without these cards, and they also, like, even if they didn't combo, I feel like I would want to play these cards in a life gain deck. I mean, Exquisite Blood sat at, like, 20-ish dollars for a long time, Um, so I would guess that's
1: probably one of the barriers there. It's just that one half of the combo is expensive, but yeah, I I was actually would have guessed this was number one
2: Yeah, well, and there's also the new commander Vito Thorn of the Dusk Rose, who does sort of a similar ability to this, because he also has an ability where whenever you gain life, an opponent will lose that much life. So there are a lot of different interchangeable pieces to this one as well. There's Vito, there's also, I think, the card uh, Viscopa Guildmage has a similar ability that can uh, give you something like this for the turn. So there are just so many different ways that you can pull off a combo like this that don't have as big of pieces. It's a very very classic combo, even when you're using different cards for it.
1: And I'll quick share an anecdotal story about this combo i was in a game one time where someone dropped this combo and didn't have an a, have a way on board to deal damage or gain life but ah. but, but myself and the other person so it was a down to a three-player game both had mana crypts in play oh no <laughs> and and we both won the coin flip <gasps> two turns Congrats. in a row and were able to take him
2: out of the game jesus that is impressive and lucky and yeah it was no skill on man. anyone's part at all but it was it was <laughs> hilarious well that explains how you win games of commander then dana no skill involved at all that was a, a bad beat. That, <laughs> that just makes me sound really mean i'm just salty about well, you uh beating me consistently on our stream is, is i, I, I what's think, going on there. i think it was a foil mana crypt so i got extra mana so that helped <laughs> wow okay <laughs> Let's just
0: move on to the number two combo. Well, so we talked about this exquisite, uh, exquisite blood sanguine bond combo. Uh, we probably thought there would be more. This is one that I haven't seen in. Ages and ages, and that is going to be the Deadeye Navigator and Paragon Drake combo. So Deadeye Navigator is the six mana uh, spirit uh, that has soul bond. When it comes in the battlefield, you bind it, I guess, um, with another creature, and then you can pay uh, one and a blue to flicker the creature that it is um soul bound with. Uh, so, Paragon Drake happens to be a f- another five mana, two, three uh, Drake. And when, it's, when it enters the battlefield, you untap five lands. So, this just uses two mana um, to flicker Paragon Drake. Paragon Drake comes back in, you untap five lands, then you tap all those lands to float mana, use two of it again to flicker Paragon Drake, untap those five lands again, and you just go crazy from there. It's another one of those, it's basically how Blue Ramps. You either do it very, very slowly or you go crazy and go infinite so this is a combo that we're seeing actually quite a bit. Um, 8,300 decks are still running the Deadeye Navigator and Paragon Drake combo, and uh, there's gonna be some heavy hitters. You know, Yarok the Desecrated loves Enter the Battlefield triggers, mm. so of course that's going in there, but Brago King Eternal also has quite a bit of this combo in there, and we're actually seeing any as the Force, the, the flying tribal commander from Jumpstart, um, is playing it in over 10% of the deck so far, so it's even new decks that are getting built are playing this combo, uh, what do you guys think of this still showing up in in good numbers?
2: Man, I definitely remember the the age of old, uh, quote unquote, for lack of a better term, um, when Dead Eye Navigator was considered to just be a menace of the commander format. But I think you're absolutely right. It has been ages since I've seen it. I think the last time that I saw it was when I was trying to build a Rune of the Hidden Realm deck, to be perfectly frank. Um, yeah, I just remember this being a really, really famous one, but it has also really dropped off the map. So it's interesting to see that its uh, popularity has definitely maintained itself.
1: Yeah, and, and it's one of those weird things, too. I don't think it dropped off because it's no longer powerful. People, I don't think I got, got bored of it or, or what the situation was, but yeah, it's it's been years probably since I've seen a Dead Navigator in the deck. Um, one thing I will note here is... And this is true of quite a few of these combos, but especially this one. There are a lot of variants on this. Um, That Urza set where Peregrine Drake came from, there's multiple other blue creatures that do the same thing. Uh, Great Whale, Palancron. Mm -hmm. This is just probably the most efficient way to do it. Peregrine Drake is a relatively cheap card to cast compared to the other two. It's relatively cheap to buy compared to the other two. So this was just kind of the most efficient version of that combo. But there's a bunch of different branches you can use. This is what you want to do. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: Yeah, Peregrine Drake being literally pennies on the dollar compared to Palancron probably mm. helps with its popularity quite a bit.
2: Yep. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Peregrine Drake also at one point a piece of a popper combo it situation was. going on there? It like, was. that's how good that card is, yeah. is that even in all-common format, it could still pack a huge combo punch.
1: Well, that will take us to our our number one most popular combo here, and that's Dramatic Reversal and Isochron Scepter in over 15,000 decks. Woof! Yeah, that's an insane number, and that was the number I was expecting to see that was assigned to Exquisite Blood and Sanguine Bond. And what we have here, Dramatic Reversal is an instant that lets you basically untap all non-land permanents you can control, and Iserkon is an artifact, and when it enters a battlefield, you may exile an instant card with converted mana cost two or less from your hand. So you exile Dramatic Reversal onto Icerconceptor. then you can spend two mana to copy the exiled card, and if you do, you can cast the copy without paying its mana cost, Well, you do that, which will cast Manic Reversal, which will untap all of your things, one of which is Isochron Scepter, which you can then use, you know, assuming you have a mana rock or two or three or more mana generators to then activate Isochron Scepter again and untap all your stuff. And basically just generate an infinite amount of mana very quickly, as well as whatever other shenanigans you're doing with the things you're tapping and untapping.
2: Yeah, this one is especially famous, and I think it's fun to note here that the the place that my mind goes to as soon as I hear the dramatic reversal Isochron Scepter combo is I expect, like, oh, the Mana Rocks, the infinite mana, and then they'll probably use infinite mana in some clever way with a, a repeatable activated ability or some really big X spell. But also of note, this just generates infinite spell cast procs as well. So if you've got a card like Aetherflux Reservoir, which triggers every time that you've cast a spell this turn, that is another way that you can use this combo uh, even if you don't necessarily even if you just break even on mana, you can still cast the spell over and over and over again to get repeated spell casts. Let's say if you're going for a storm victory as well with a card like Grape Shot to do a bunch of damage because you've technically cast a bunch of spells using this combo. So there's a lot of versatility there too. It isn't just about the infinite mana.
0: Yeah, I, I had this in my Niv-Mizzet Perrin deck because like you said, Joey infinite cast triggers so so mm. you know whenever you cast a spell if Niv at Perrin in play you get to draw a card and deal damage and then you just go infinite that way as well. Um, it's pretty potent. Um, it also combos nicely with stuff like Aria Flame even. So you don't even have to have it as, you know, comboing with your commander. Right. Because there are so many different things that benefit from cast triggers like Aetherflux Reservoir.
2: Yeah, for sure. And we also got to see some of the commanders that are using this combo most frequently. Urza, Lord High Artificer, he once again shows up. Uh, over 1,300 Urza decks are using the Dramatic Reversal isoconceptor Scepter combo. So that's very impressive. But there are also commanders like Kaikar Winds Fury uh, that are using it. Over 560 uh, Kaikar decks are using this combo. And that would be an example of a commander that gets a, a trigger when you cast the imprinted spell. Uh, so that can provide you with a bunch of spirit tokens there. A bunch of different uh, uses for this one for sure.
1: And again, these are two cards that are just both really, really solid on their own. If all you're going to do with Isoconceptor is put a Brainstorm under it or uh, a yeah. Force of or something, that's fantastic. If all you're going to use to write for is to untap your creatures when someone alpha strikes and thinks they have a free shot through that's really great too so there are cards that work really really well in commander on their own and have a fantastic infinite mana combo if you combine them
2: yeah you know what feels really bad to see underneath an isochron scepter the card counterspell yes yep not not a lot of fun because, ooh, counterspell on a, literally on a stick. That's that's pretty rough. So definitely a potent pair of cards here for sure. Alright, we also want to talk about some of the combos that appear in conjunction with Legendary Creatures but before we get there, what we're going to do is our classic segment. We're going to challenge some of those stats because there's a lot of data here on EDHREC but we don't always agree with it. Sometimes we think the cards are seeing too much play. Sometimes we think that cards are seeing too little play. So what we'd like to do is challenge those statistics. Matt, how about you start us off this week? What is your challenge
0: so this week i actually have kind of a two four um challenge here so we're going to talk about the best kitty in the world the only well only good kitty um mary weatherlight duelist uh, my selesnia <laughs> favorite of course um, there are a lot of cat players out there who are uh <laughs> kind of raising their eyebrows at you. that's the if best we needed kitty? if we needed cats we wouldn't have gotten dogs um so that's all <laughs> i can say about that but anyway so mary wow. weatherlight duelist folks <laughs> Um, this week, um, I was perusing the page cause I like to just go over the EDH rec pages, see what people are starting to trend up with and, and kind of brush up on what am I doing in my deck and what are other people doing? What have I missed? What's a trend? Um, and one thing that I've noticed on the page that I think is incorrect is people seem to be playing a lot of ghostly prison type of effects. Um, of people are playing Ghostly Prison in Miri decks. And I think that is a little overplayed, but I also think another card that should be in 0% of Miri decks is Radiant Destiny. And that's a a card from, I I believe it's uh, Rivals of Exelon. It's two and a white, Uh, for an enchantment that says, uh, as Radiant Destiny enters the battlefield, choose a creature type and then creatures of the chosen type get plus one plus one. And as long as you have the city's blessing, they also have vigilance. And the city's blessing, just as long as you have 10 permanents on the battlefield, you have, the City's Blessing. That is not hard to achieve at all in a game of Commander. But as we see on Miri's page, there's a lot of Cat tribal synergy going on there. So if you're playing Radiant Destiny, chances are if you're playing the average deck, uh, you're you're going to have City's Blessing. You're going to name a Cat with Radiant Destiny as a creature type, which means your cats more than likely are going to have Vigilance, which actively takes away about half of Miri's card. Being able to you know only have one creature attack you per turn, because you know, as long as she's tapped, if she has vigilance, that doesn't matter. Same with ghostly prison. If creep, if people can only attack you with one creature, paying two mana to do that is not that big of a setback. Ghostly prison protects you from go wide decks, not go tall decks. Um, I know I've played against Joey and his Rayon and Ishi deck that goes very, very tall. Ghostly Prison didn't really do a whole lot against that. So those two cards, I'm going to challenge. They're showing up at about 14% and then Ra- uh, Radiant Destiny at about 9%, but both of those should be significantly lower because there are better defensive cards that you can be using that synergize with Miri specifically, like Glare of Subdual, for example, that lets you freely tap Miri to tap down their best creature.
2: Oh, that's way better. Ooh, yeah, because then... oh, Oh, man, that's very mean. Matt, I like the... I, I'm sorry to just focus on the card that you recommended instead of the cards that you were challenging, but Glare of Subduel seems really mean in that deck to get an auto tap from
0: Miri. Glare of Subduel is is very saucy, especially if people can only attack you with one creature, you can use Miri to make sure that their best creature is not the one that's going to attack you. I love Glare of Subduel, and if I could make a third challenge, I guess, today, um, 24% (laughs) of decks are playing Glare of Subduel. That should be significantly higher there. So a special three for one, Buy one, get two free, challenge of stats from Matt Morgan, a man of the people and a man of value.
2: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) A self-appointed man of the people and man of value. Self-appointed, yes. Self-appointed. So so humble, so humble. Uh, Dana, how about we move on to your challenge? We're going to move on to my challenge, which is an old enchantment card.
1: You're shocked again, but I'm going back to the well. Um, Mana Maze is an old card from Invasion. It's in 529 decks. It's one in a blue, and it says Players can't play spells that share a color with the last spell played this turn. And I think it needs to be in more decks, particularly mono blue decks that have a heavy amount of artifacts. Urza jumps to mind, but there's a couple different commanders that do the same thing. It, it winds up almost being a blind obedience kind of effect. Um, where it doesn't really hurt you in this case, particularly if you're playing mono blue and you're playing heavy artifacts, it's really easy for you to go back and forth between playing artifact and playing one of your limited amount of blue spells in that deck. Um, So it's not really going to hit you, and when you pass to somebody else, they have to be much, much more careful because it's going to basically limit them oftentimes to playing one spell per turn. It's not stopping anyone from playing magic. It's just slowing them up
2: while not really slowing you up at all. Um, Dana, the only thing I can say to this recommendation of yours is please (laughs) no.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a problem to deal with in some decks, but you can still play that one spell. You still get one spell per turn.
2: But I want to play multiple spells, and I don't want to have to keep track of the... This sounds like a 4.0 on the salt scare. Is salt I, score is what this sounds like. I,
1: I would guess that the reason it probably isn't is it just doesn't see much play. But it would, absolutely will generate some
2: salt for sure. Yeah, this card's not well-known enough to be hated, but man, if you cast it against me, I'm going to have a bad time. Because I like playing multiple zombies and creatures in a row so that I can sacrifice all of them. And if you prevent me from doing that... I won't have much to do about it because I can't do anything, but I will be salty. Just one, like Richard Garfield intended. <laughs> oh, man. Alrighty, let's move now to my challenge, the stats. I'm looking at a card specifically in the context of Unesh Cryo Sphinx Sovereign decks. So Unesh Cryo Sphinx Sovereign is from the Amonkhet Hour of Devastation block. It is a 6-mana 4-4 four, four Flying Sphinx that reduces the mana cost of the Sphinx that you cast and... Whenever it or another Sphinx enters the battlefield, it lets you do a mini Factor fiction. You reveal the top four cards and someone else chooses which of those piles of cards that you will get. It is really, really crazy powerful. This is almost practically a storm deck, I would say, because of how cheap and free the Sphinxes can become, especially if you blink any of them, because this isn't a cast ability. It's an enters-the-battlefield ability. And it's a really, really good ability. So good that sometimes I feel like you don't even treat the Sphinxes like Sphinxes. So the card that I taking a look at is technically a sphinx but when you're playing it with unesh it's actually really more like just a spell this is the one mana universal automaton and one mana one one with changeling if you have unesh in play it will just be a free tiny factor fiction and that's amazing it only shows up in about 28 percent of unesh decks and that needs to be way higher because once again this is a free
0: factor fiction and that's so cool I mean, not everybody needs everything in their graveyard though, Joey. Um, But it is a very, very good effect though. Um, Yeah, just being able to get free value, especially over time, I, I will always be on board with that.
2: Absolutely. This is just, this one stuns me because it reduces the cast of free. It's a free, it's a free one, one technically a Sphinx that you get affected. Like I just, man, that one just totally blows my mind. I'm not sure Dana, if you should run it in your Sphinx tribal deck, but if you ever decide to make it a mono blue Unesh deck, give this one a consideration. I will. Good, good. All right, let's move now to the second half of our show. We're still talking about combos, but what we want to do is not just look at the most popular combos, the most common ones that you'll see that appear in a whole bunch of decks, like we mentioned in the first half. Now we actually want to take a look at the combos that involve legendary creatures. So these might be within a deck, but also these are things to maybe be aware of if you see these commanders across the table, because they have a lot of different combos available to them. So let's take a look at the top five of those combos that include a legendary creature as one of the combo components start us off dana what do we got uh number five and
1: number six are technically a tie so uh, so we're our top five list is technically a top six list all uh, mm-hmm. right the 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 commanders here uh the first of which is zerta the dawn waker one of the new companions we just got um black back this spring um zerta is the elemental fox and it says activated abilities you activate that aren't mana abilities cost two less to activate. This effect can't reduce the mana and the cost to less than one mana. And there's 19 different combos that interact with Zerda on average in these Zerda decks. Um, but Zerda is tied at 19 combos with another commander.
0: Yeah, and that commander is the Sliver Queen, which is the five-color... Uh, Legendary Sliver, uh, 7-7, and that ability that people like to key in on is the ability to pay two mana and you put a 1-1 colorless Sliver creature onto the battlefield, so there's about also 19 combos that uh, use the sliver queen to go crazy with the most common one that we're seeing is going to be mana echoes That's the ability or excuse me the card that whenever a creature enters the battlefield You add colorless mana equal to the number of creatures that share a creature type with it So when you ha- you know activate sliver queen for two mana uh, The sliver comes into play you add that two colorless mana thanks to mana echoes then you do it all over again. So as long as the Sliver Queen stays on the battlefield, you're able to generate a ton of mana and a ton of slivers. So uh, we're seeing that in quite a few decks as well, but the Sliver Queen, pretty combo happy. There's 19 different combos that you can do. Um, so it's, that's why probably they're showing up such a high number. And the most
1: popular Zerda combo here is with Basalt Monolith, which we talked about before with Rings of Brighthearth. This works a little bit differently than the Rings combo. In this case, the untap is what's being discounted versus Rings, where you're copying the mana activation. So you tap to add three mana to your mana pool with Basalt Monolith, and then the untap ability gets reduced by two, so you use one of that mana to untap Basalt Monolith and then tap it again for two. So it's a
2: it's a way to generate infinite mana kind of backwards to how it's done with Rings of Bright Hearth. Yeah, all right. Really, really sick stuff to see them as a part of so many things. Like, it's really funny, especially seeing the Sliver Queen here because, I don't know, I felt like it was a big level up moment for me as a player to realize that Sliver Queen wasn't even necessarily a Sliver tribal deck. It was really straight up a combo deck because of the crazy stuff that you could do with cards like Mana Echoes. Um, and, and like, I, it's more common to see a Perforos in a Sliver sliver queen deck because of all of the creatures that it can make that you'll combo out with in this way as opposed to seeing other slivers in a sliver queen deck because she doesn't even necessarily care about them too much she just wants to find ways to get infinite mana and make infinite creatures
1: yeah it's it's a really really strong commander um even outside slivers and it's great in the slivers and it's useful just to top any five color deck it's just a really solid card and i'm not surprised to see it here at all
2: All right, let's move now to number four here. The number four of the combos that use commanders. This one is a classic. This one, we almost before the show notes were put together, we knew that this was going to be a uh, combo commander that we see. We're talking about Gave, Guru of Spores, the Obzon five-mana commander that enters with counters and can remove counters to create sapperlings and can sacrifice sapperlings to create uh, more counters. This one combos crazy well with the cards Ashnod's Altar, which lets you sacrifice creatures for mana, and Cathar's Crusade, which, whenever you get a creature entering the battlefield, it puts a +1 counter on each of your creatures. So what you can do is use Gabe's ability to remove one of the counters from your creatures to make a Sapperling. Cathar's Crusade will then give your whole team a +1 counter. Then you can sacrifice the Sapperling to Ashnod's Altar for a mana, and then use Gabe's ability again because it's been refreshed with a new +1 counter, and you can repeat that over and over and over and over and over again, and this will actually net gain you mana, so you'll get infinite mana, infinite enter-the-battlefield triggers, infinite death triggers, if you have cards that care about that kind of thing. Uh, You'll also be able to get infinitely large creatures because all of the Cathar's Crusade triggers, so this is just a very, very infinite, infinite, infinite combo. The
1: most dangerous magic drinking game is the one you play where you listen to basically any set review and take a drink whenever someone reviews a card and says, this goes
2: into This goes infinite with Gave, Guru of (laughs) Spores. Oh, no. As soon as you started mentioning, I was like, I know exactly where he's going with this. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Colorless activated abilities on commanders are really dangerous things because it's just so easy to abuse stuff like this. And that's another one of those commanders where it's just like, hey, did you want to play sapperlings? Did you want to use plus one counters? Gave can do that, but... With the number of combos he's able to do, he's almost more of a combo commander than he is an actual Sapperlinger plus one counter commander uh, because we're actually seeing him appear in 32 different combos according to uh, the page that we've got here. And that is a whole lot for a Legendary Creature to be a part of.
0: And I don't even think that's a comprehensive number. I think people <laughs> started listing all the different gave combos and got bored and gave up. Uh, that's why there's only 32. You, you, that's And like you said, Joey, gave combos... False, that's the end of the sentence. Just that's gave the end.
2: yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And they gave up. That's why he's called Gave Guru man. Oh, gave up was. the guru spores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is way, way too much for me right now. All right, let's move on. Those were our numbers uh six and five and four. So we're on to number three. Number three,
1: a Tatiova Benthic Druid, uh, 2300 decks. She can be part of 50 different combos we have listed. And the most popular combo in 373 decks involves four cards. It involves Tatiova, it involves Lanowar Skull, which you can tap to put a land from your hand onto the battlefield, a Simic Growth Chamber, which is one of the bounce lands from the original Ravnica set, and Retreat to Coral Helm, which has an option um to untap a permanent when a land comes into play so you tap the scout to put a bounce land into play um tatovia draws you a card the bounce land returns to your hand using its own bounce trigger retreat to coral helm untaps the scout so it can repeat the whole process over again and you just draw your entire deck and gain life from tatio in the process
2: but dana whatever would i do if i have drawn my entire deck how can i win the game that way He asks sardonically
1: with your entire deck and the 70 life you've gained. You
2: can probably find a way to eco to win. Maybe like there's there's the
0: possibility of it. Maybe. See, I feel like this combo needs a flow chart just so you can follow (laughs) the process of what's going on. Because once you have like five moving pieces, if I'm playing you in a game and you have that much going on, um, good for you. And uh <laughs> let's let's clean it up. Let's let's speed this thing along.
2: Yeah, no, that I can absolutely see it. But that's the thing, like even though this is a multi part combo, I feel like I would actually see all of these cards just naturally in a Tatiova deck.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I definitely could see that as well. They're all very effective on their own. Um, And this is one of those things. It's a four card combo, but Tatiova tends to draw so many cards that it's really not easy to not difficult to draw down and hit
0: all the parts that you need. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move up to number two. So the number two combo-happy commander is gonna be Kiki-Jiki Mirror Breaker. We're gonna go back to the little hasty goblin here. Um, There's 52 different combos you can be doing with Kiki-Jiki Mirror Breaker. The most popular being, of course, the Zealous Conscripts, like we already talked about, where you just tap Kiki-Jiki, you make a copy of the Zealous Conscripts, the Zealous Conscripts then untaps Kiki-Jiki, and then you lather, rinse, repeat, go all over it again. Only two moving pieces, because that's what Mono Red does. None of the Simic five moving pieces (laughs) that you would need lining up. Um, Almost 5,500 decks using the Kiki-Jiki and Zealous Conscripts combo. It's just quick, efficient, and that's probably why it's so powerful and and so popular, I should say, too. Uh, It's just quick, and it wins you the game pretty quickly. Well,
2: this is why you need to make sure that your Miri is tapped so that only one of these things can attack
0: you. Make sure Miri is tapped, yes.
2: Uh, Well, and it's great, too, because Kiki-Jiki can go infinite with so many other creatures. I say great... I'm actually a little scared of it, so maybe not so <laughs> great. Um, but this is among a bunch of different color combinations because Kikijiki can also go infinite with a Deceiver Exarch, which when it mm-hmm. enters the battlefield, it can also untap uh, the Kikijiki to make another copy of the Deceiver Exarch. There's also Restoration Angel, which will blink the Kikijiki immediately. It will come back in. It's got haste. You can do that all over, get a whole bunch of hasty angels. So this is a combo that's available to more than just Mono Red, Matt. I will have you know.
0: Yeah, and, and and I think that's what makes Kiki Jiki so flexible, too, is anything that you're able to reset with, um, you're able to get all sorts of just infinite whatever you want. You can add in a perforose so you get all the the damage triggers. Uh, there's a lot of different things you can season to taste with this. And, and I think, mm-hmm. like we said, that's probably why there are so many different Kiki Jiki combos.
2: Absolutely. All right, now let's move to the number one. And I gotta admit, this one took me a bit by surprise. It is not the legendary creature that I thought would be at the center of the most combos, but here it is. It is the recently printed, fresh from my Correa, Kinnan Bonder Prodigy, who, of course, is the uh, the little dude who makes all of your mana production a little bit better mana production because whenever you tap a non land permanent for mana, you add an extra mana of that type. He also has an activated ability that you can use to look at the top cards of your library and then you'll put a non-human card from them onto the battlefield so he has an outlet for infinite mana provided that you can make it uh, any amount of colored mana the combo that we're actually seeing most common with kinnon though is the basalt monolith once again because it can tap for three mana kinnon will make an additional one there then you can pay three mana to untap the basalt monolith uh, and then that will provide you with a net gain of mana every time that you use this so that will be infinite colorless mana which is really really powerful we're seeing it in 880. 86 decks here but kinnon himself is a part of 54 different combos that's how good it is to have one little guy who increases the mana production from all the other stuff that you can do from your mana rocks to your elves this guy is up to a whole lot of combos
0: and if you play any brawl then you're very familiar with kinnon because that is (laughs) the only deck you actually will ever play against if you play (laughs) brawl um, oh, no. I have played several games of brawl on arena. I would say at least 80% of the matchups are against Ken and this deck is everywhere because it is just so, so powerful
2: yeah and I meant when we saw some of these legendary creatures and the combos that they're a part of Kinnon I definitely knew in the back of my mind I'm like yeah if I see that deck I really should be prepared for combo uh gave guru of spores I felt the same way I didn't necessarily feel that way about Tatiova she's a bit of a surprise to me where are you guys at is this the cast of uh, legendary creatures that you thought would be a piece of the greatest number of combos or did you think that it would be a different cast of commanders Tatiova definitely shocked me I'm used to Tatiova in my mind
1: at least being a just a value engine you run tatiova atop your simic good stuff list and generates a ton of value as you dig down to find whatever the combo is or whatever your your win condition is maybe it's it maybe value is your win condition it literally never occurred to me that it was going to be part of a combo um clearly it can be and obviously is but that
2: really never crossed my mind right I, I wonder if we're almost um a, a victim to over measurement here because this is certainly a commander that has a lot of combos available to her that can take advantage of a landfall thing but she's also the kind of thing that can be swapped out for any landfall thing uh for sure like it doesn't necessarily need to be her that retreat to coral helm interaction that you mentioned with the scout there are so many different interchangeable pieces there and yeah. it's really the coral helm that seems to be doing all of the work by untapping one of those creatures that lets you put lands into play but your landfall payoff could be anything so i feel like it's more that those cards are doing work rather than her doing work compared to some of the other commanders that we saw where they really are the central engine of that combo. Yeah, I think that's a good evaluation.
0: Yeah, well, and it, it's really easy to sarcastically say, oh, Gabe should have been at the top. But seriously, <laughs> uh, Gabe is just a commander that, like Dana said, you can accidentally find different different cards coming out that will go infinite with Gabe in some way, Um I played a couple games against a Gave player, and they legitimately found two different combos in one game. And they, they stopped in the middle and just said, I feel bad about this, um, so I'm just going to stop. And then they passed yeah, the turn.
1: I, I would definitely say in, in my years of playing Commander, I've seen way more combos from Gave and in Gave decks than I have anything else. So at least for yeah. me, it's, in my experience, it's the one that stands out.
2: Right, and especially because the cards that he combos with are cards that you want to use anyway Mm -hmm. in that deck because a Cathars Crusade is really good when you are taking advantage of plus one counters and you can create more creatures to give you plus one counters. Like, yeah, you want to use those. Of course it's going to be in the deck. You almost can't avoid it. And I think that that's a really important thing that we see from the cards that we were talking about in the first half of the show with the combos like Exquisite Blood um, and Sanguine Bond and stuff like that. The most popular combos that we see definitely are the ones where both or all three or all of the components of the combo are just good enough on their own what we aren't seeing necessarily is a lot of combos showing up in high popularity that like one of the pieces is kind of a clunker and doesn't do anything without the extra stuff like we're seeing a lot of popular combos that where both cards independently are good enough and then that you almost trip and fall into a combo as opposed to like this card doesn't do anything until i combo we don't see a lot of that latter dynamic
1: um, I, I thought Breya would show up higher as a combo commander, um, but it looks like Breya has a lot of combos in her deck that don't directly use her as a piece of it. Similarly, I thought Shroom would show up higher, and I think it's kind of the same thing there. There's a lot of combos that work well in the Shroom deck that are probably very much the... Com- Combos that are also in the Brea deck, um, but those are maybe more the centerpiece of those decks, and and the Brea is, is a I don't know if backup plan's the right word, but it's something you can use when you don't hit those combos, same with Shroom, so I was a little bit surprised to not see
2: either of those two show up. That makes a lot of sense to me, especially Brea. I am totally with you that I expected her to be really big as a part of this, but she, with so many colors and so many artifacts that can tap, untap, make mana, do a whole bunch of infinite shenaniganery, uh, it totally makes sense that you don't necessarily need her for those combos to be infinite, but her deck can absolutely contain all of them at the same time. So that is a good thing to note. Commanders that we didn't mention can totally still be more combo heavy than the commanders that we did mention. It just might not actually involve the commander itself, it will be much more reliant on the pieces within the 99. So make sure that you still watch out for those commanders for sure.
0: Well, and there's also, I'm sure, some amount of of commanders that can't win or typically don't win unless they are comboing out. I know, you know, many years ago, Azami Lady of Scrolls was kind of the, the combo commander of choice um, just because it's so easy and, and reliable to win with Azami via combo. So... It's interesting that we're not seeing any of those, and I'm sure kind of maybe Urza Lord High Artificer has kind of taken over that spot because it's so easy to just accidentally oops into so many different combos with Urza that that's kind of supplanted um, Azami's place in, in that role as well.
2: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I mean, we've been talking about combo for a little while here, but I guess we never actually asked, how do we feel about combo? Like, do we have any final thoughts about the role of combo decks in EDH? When you guys see an infinite combo across the table, does it make you a little bit like, oh man, like, is that not always a fun way to end the game for you guys? Do you guys not mind it because the game's gotta end? Where do you sort of fall? Uh, I
1: don't play combo. Um, I am not a fan of combo. Um, I I don't necessarily feel like, oh, man, um, games do have to end. However, it feels like, I don't want to say like the lazy way to win a game, but it feels a little bit like you're dunking on a seven foot hoop. I mean, yeah, it's fun to dunk on a seven foot hoop, but I feel like it's, it's, it's not quite the achievement you think it is I, and i know someone's gonna get mad at her to get like people responding in the comments talking about how challenging it is putting curiosity at niv mizzet um and, and <laughs> I, I, i'm sure it's tough and to, to do in plenty of situations like I'm, I'm being sarcastic but you're fighting through counter spells and removal and it's it's not like it's just necessarily easy mode but but it definitely feels that way to me um it, even when I do it, like, you know, when I've stumbled across combos in my own deck, it feels like I didn't earn it. It feels like I didn't earn that win. So mm-hmm. that's my thought on it. I, it feels like it's a win that you didn't have to put the work in on. So that's where I'm coming
2: at it from. What? Okay. Well, that that's weird. First of all, Matt, I need your assistance really quick. <laughs>
0: is a seven-foot ho- hoop, is that lower than average I mean, <laughs> so the hoop is typically is 10 feet and i have to say okay. some of the most fun times i've had playing basketball was on a seven foot hoop <laughs> so um, i just needed to
2: understand what he was saying earlier so he was making a dig at players because he's being mr sorry okay I, I got you're, you. low, okay. Yeah, I'm really you're, sur- you're
0: lowering the goal basically you're making okay. it so that well, everybody can touch. It's
1: like it's like putting uh, up bumpers in bowling or uh, wearing water wings uh-oh. in the pool.
0: No,
2: no. <laughs> so my, my thoughts are definitely different from you, Dana, because like Matt mentioned earlier, there are some commanders that I feel like the only way they can win is through combat. For sure. Because Lady of Scrolls is not going to use an overwhelming stampede to win the game, so what else is she going to do? And I do think that there's a lot of interaction, a lot of careful planning that you have to do to make sure that you can deploy the combo when you're in the clear and time it very carefully, but it's all happening in your hand. We're no one can see it so to them it feels like it's out of nowhere but to you you've been planning it for a little while and like that is you know i think really interesting uh to see i with all that said i should note i avoid infinite combos whenever i can because that is also not how i necessarily want to win but i can still totally respect it as an art form maybe (laughs) well and i will counter my own argument it's not like crater hoof
1: behemoth with you know seven one ones in play that's not a combo, but like functionally, it's the same thing. <laughs> right. Like, right, so, yeah. so I, I admit there's absolutely holes in my reasoning. So for sure.
0: Well, and and so I kind of take the approach. I know Jason Alt of Brainstorm Brewery, our, our content manager here at ADH rec. Um, he kind of skews towards. Either saying, you know, are you going to play a powerful deck or are you going to play a consistent deck? Um, So if I am playing a deck with infinite combos in there, I tend to take out the ways to tutor for them. Uh, I have Mm -hmm. one deck, and that is my Miri Weatherlight Duelist deck that has both tutors to find combo pieces and then the combo pieces themselves in there. Um, All my other decks, I will typically have one or two ways to kind of oops into a win. But that is solely for the purpose of, like you said, Joey. Games gotta end eventually. Yes. you know the game's been dragging on for a while. Um, you know it's turn fifteen and, and there's a, a stall going on. Um, I put Revel and Riches into my um, my. Uh, taste of karlov deck for example as just an alternate win condition to kind of win out of nowhere um or just i chain death triggers together or i have the the dramatic reversal isochron scepter combo in my real the Otherwise deck um, those are just ways for me just to to find ways to close out a game that otherwise might be going on for for you know 10 more turns um, i typically won't do that and and try to find those those combo wins as soon as possible but i do have them in there as kind of a safety valve for a lot of games
2: yeah i, I do think that i would prefer for a brago king eternal player to sort of combo me out with the blinky shenanigans of a strionic resonator as opposed to a brago king eternal that's trying to slowly whittle me down with combat damage like one of those ends faster and then we can shuffle up and play another game and that sounds a lot better than the 20 turns that it will take for him to kill me via combat Sure, Mary, that's that's a valid point.
0: Well, it, it only takes eleven turns to kill you, Joey, but then it takes eleven uh, turns to kill the next person.
1: Well, and, but also, like, if you had a foil Brago, it would only takes six.
2: Oh my goodness. Okay, with that, what I think we need to do is call this episode to a
0: close. Uh, Fellas, if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with us, where can they find you all? So you can find me on the Twitters at Mathemus55, that's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5, and don't forget Wednesday evenings we are streaming twitch.tv slash EDH Have having awesome games and awesome guests, so make sure you tune in. And Dana. You can find me on the Twitter birds at Dana Roach. You can read my articles a couple
1: times a month at EDH Rec. And you can hear me a couple times a week on my other podcast, CMDR
2: Central. And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M Schultz on Twitter. You can also find the cast at Recast on Facebook and on Twitter. And if you have a question, a keen insight to EDHREC's data, or maybe a challenge, the stats pick that you think we really ought to know about, you can email us at edhreCast at gmail.com. Our thanks again to Josh Lequai and the whole team at the Command Zone for handling all of the post-production work on the podcast. And of course, our huge thanks to our sponsors, TCG Player and CardKingdom.com. You can find them using the price info links on EDHREC or by visiting Card kingdom.com slash edh rec and that will help show your support for the show listeners we would love to hear from you about the new feature on edh rec what are your favorite combos what do you think about them in edh we would love to hear from you we'll be back at you next week with more data and insights but until then remember edh wreck your deck before you wreck your deck